Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by The Afterlight Institute. The Afterlight Institute is a community of teachers and students seeking to expand their spiritual gifts and their inner wisdom on the road to illuminating their forgotten selves. Offering online courses, in-person retreats, live events, online expositions, and more, the Afterlight Institute is a safe and inclusive space for all. To learn more, head to theafterlightinstitute.com. Grace here and welcome to the afterlight. My guest today is Cale O'Donnell. He is one of Australia's most highly sought after psychic mediums. His childhood in country Victoria was full of challenges and inspired his professional career as a mental health therapist, helping people at their lowest points find hope to live. When Cale began sharing his messages of healing and connection on TikTok, It helped him to rediscover his lifelong passion for spirituality and led him down a new path as a psychic medium. He now has more than half a million followers online. He has a six to 12 month waiting list for appointments, and he has distilled his practical advice on becoming more spiritually grounded in his first book, Three Minutes of Spirit. Kale is joining me today to talk about all things spiritual. We're going to be talking about the higher self. What is it? How can you connect with it? We're going to be talking about the different types of spirit guides that you have. I mean, have you ever heard that you might have a logistician or a manager spirit guide? We're going to be talking about tips and tricks for you to evolve a little bit more spiritually and the importance of letting the past go so you can step into your future self. Kale, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Lauren, and hello, listeners. I always get crazy goosebumps when I read people's bios and I'm like trying to really focus on what I'm reading, but at the same time, I've just got like these tinglys everywhere. Congratulations on writing such a fantastic book. I did read it cover to cover and I thought that it was full wow. of emotion and practical advice and inspiration. And, you know, mm-hmm. you had a lot of vulnerability in that book. And for some, oh, yeah. a lot of your, you know, your stories, they, um, they stuck with me and it made me sort of realize that, you know, part of the human experience is sometimes to go through difficult situations and to come out the other side. And that's no different right. in your scenario, your case. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that is true. It's, it really is a journey that Uh, has already been weighed up by spirit. Spirit already knows our journey from cover to cover, just like you know my book. And just having that knowledge and sitting with that realization, it makes life a little bit less stressful and less serious so that you can go with the flow with what spirit has for us. Yeah, I love that you say that. I know that I'm guilty of sometimes being a little bit too serious and I forget to, you know, find time to cultivate joy and laughter. And it's uh, something that I've been looking at prioritizing over the years. Let's go back before we go forward. So when did your spiritual journey begin? When did you realize, oh, wait a minute, I can talk to dead people. Was it like the Mm. sixth sense? Did it happen when you were a little kid or was it something that just sort of gradually started to show up in your life? 
Yeah. And as you know, from my book, it has evolved and I've always considered myself quite curious about the spirit world. And I thought I found my true spirituality in religion. I thought that that's really what was holding me to a great place in my life. And uh, it wasn't until I started to question my beliefs and start to realize that I may not believe what my parents believed. And I started to retract my religion and started to look more into the spirit world. And when I did that, uh, I started to realize things that I did click in with, with, with what my soul believed in rather than what I was told or what I was conditioned to believe. So my spiritual walk really started when I I started to practice a lot more meditation. Um, I would also say that my spirituality began when I became vegan as well and, and started to look more into veganism as a an ethic and as a way of life. And that kind of made me question things as well. But when I started to connect in with the loved ones that have passed on, I can remember distinctly on the day of my mom's passing that her voice came to me and I was swimming. It was a hot summer in Australia and you know what those summers can be like. You live in the pool. Um, yes. So I went to, I, I came home from school and I went straight into the pool and I wasn't sad and I wasn't distressed or, or disturbed. As a lot of people know, I, I actually knew my mum would pass away and she was 100% healthy. Spirit told me that she would to prepare my soul for a really uh, traumatic experience knowing she would pass away helped me um, cope with the brunt of that news. So on that day, my mom passed away. I started to hear her voice saying, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I hope you're having fun swimming. I, I, I'm with everyone right now. And it was the first time that I knew that I could hear from those who have crossed over. And she wasn't the first one, but that was the first distinct moment where I realized these thoughts are not my thoughts. These thoughts sound like the tone of my mom. That's so cool. And you know what I love about that as well is that you were immersed in water. And, you know, for those of uh, my listeners who have been listening to a lot of the shows, they would be familiar that the element of water is one of intuition. It's one of emotion. Do you think that being in the element of water gave you some clarity at that time or just created some space around you to be able to, to hear that message? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great um, concept for me to meditate on later is that I was in water and I was, I was by myself. So nobody was around me at the time. And I was able to just spend time in the pool as long as I needed to until everyone started to come home from work and we all had to grieve together. But it was my moment that I believe spirit prepared for me just to process it and to come to terms with it. But yeah, I felt I, I felt like perhaps the water did play a part in that. It's interesting that you talk about hearing your mother's voice and in a way hearing a little bit of her tone, because I think that sometimes when people are developing spiritually, they hear, at least for myself, I guess I could just speak from my own perspective. When I'm hearing my guides talk to me, they're talking to me very mm -hmm. often in my own voice, but I noticed that the... Yes the timbre is different or like this, there's um, more of a gentleness, more of a softness in the way that spirit talks to me. So were you hearing your mm -hmm. mother's voice in your own voice, but in the way that she speaks or how could you describe that a little bit more? 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good question because a lot of people uh, ask how do you hear spirit or how does spirit speak to you, and I do say that it is in the tone of my own thinking with my own thought processes but i know that the pacing of it or whether it's rushed speaking or whether it's slow paced or whether it's loving or whether it's of a voice of concern those are it's hard to to say not my personality ways of speaking if that makes sense it's it's not how my personality usually speaks so i knew that the softness of my mum's voice as she was a very gentle soft-spoken would only speak to you if spoken you know just sat and listened kind of person so when she spoke to me i knew that it was her because i'm usually the one that's doing all the talking and the loud one in the room so just to hear, hear her voice i knew it was her and then when i'm doing my audience readings um, for people maybe a really gruff kind of masculine man starts speaking to me with kind of sharp words and you know the way that he talks that's not how i talk so it definitely is in the in the the thought stream of my own thoughts but the pacing of it like you say is sometimes different you you'll be able to pick up the differences there and i guess a big part of that is um understanding the difference between your own self and spirit and acknowledging that there's something different that's sort of happening and i guess the word trust really does come to mind when you are you know, doing this kind of work or when you are receiving these sort of messages. Yes, absolutely. Do you mean trusting in the psychic or trusting in the spirit world? Well, I guess um, both, but I think that sometimes mm. we all have, well, not, I think pretty much all the time, we all have voices in our heads, right? And I think <laughs> absolutely. sometimes it's quite difficult to discern whether or not this is a voice of, um, you know, maybe a spirit or a spirit guide versus your own ego self or your almost sometimes your your conditioned human mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Trusting in that. I see what you mean. Trusting in that knowledge of whether or not is this coming from my own ego? And that's why I see psychics and I see mediums, because I don't know. Am I just being extra hopeful about my future or is this really what I'm picking up? <laughs> Yes, I love that. Um, one of the quotes that I pulled from your book that I just thought was so powerful was you said that spirit is an agent um, that basically will carry on with or without your belief or awareness. And when uh -huh. I read that, it made me realize that, you know, when you're on the spiritual path, I don't know if you can relate to this, but you kind of want to shout it out from the rooftops and be want to tell everyone, hey, when we die, we don't really die. Hey, there's yes. guides and angels that can help you, you know, and there's this mm -hmm. whole, you know, side of, of the human experience, I suppose, or, or humans going through the, the human experience, souls going through the human experience that don't believe in spirituality necessarily. But what I loved about that quote was that you're basically saying that even if you don't believe in it, it's happening, whether or not you want to acknowledge it. Can you tell Absolutely. me a little bit about your journey as a medium and I guess whether or not it was difficult to be able to relate to certain people uh, who might not have the same belief system or understanding of what you do. I mean, I would imagine that sometimes you're under the microscope of whether or not what you're doing is authentic and uh, mm -hmm. I'm curious in your, your experience with that. Yeah. And the interesting thing is I usually find people that are most uh, mostly skeptics from perhaps journalists or, or um, 
news sites that want to interview me. And I can understand because as a journalist, you have to get facts straight and you really want to be analytical about it. So when I'm giving an interview with a journalist or something like this, I often do a mini reading or something or just bring up something that they you know, that I shouldn't know about them. And that helps it kind of get them over the line so that they can um, feel comfortable with sharing what my story is. But people, when I come across them, I often see them as skeptical ready. I think everybody has a healthy amount of skepticism. And I think that we need to, because there are people out there that will try to swindle you, that will try to um, say things that aren't true and just to get your money, like you're cursed and that we need to take that curse away or, you know, something bad's going to happen in your life and I'm going to do some kind of magic to help you. Those people are not trustworthy, but I think it's healthy to have skepticism and allow the psychic to remove that skepticism um, evidence by evidence so that you can, you know, be believing in it more. And so for me, I come across people not with, I need to prove to you that I'm a psychic or a medium. I just say with an open heart and say, I'm going to do what I do. And if you are on board, you're on board. If you're not, then I have no, um, you know, bad feelings towards you. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, exactly. And I guess a big part of the you know, the soul living a human experience is a lot of the unlearning and the undoing and the forgetting and the relearning. And, you know, when I hear you saying skeptically ready, I love that because it's really about, you know, it's about questioning. It's about identifying what feels truthful to you, but in a way, it's also about being open to the opportunity and to, you know, the, um, the experiences that sort of present themselves to you. Can you tell me a bit about your own Mm -hmm. journey in terms of unlearning and undoing and relearning and reprogramming? Yes, I think that my unlearning really had to be about the idea of there is something external out there that may be against you or that is lurking around. When I'm in this space, we have to see the elephant in the room that a lot of people might be worried about seeing mediums or psychics because they think that they're, we're tapping into dark energies or low vibrational energies. And I had to re unlearn of this. You know, I came from a Christian background that all of this is just the devil. And so you have to unlearn these things. And this has been one of the most healing, most beautiful journeys for me to realize that there, I believe there's no such thing as that. There's no such thing as these energies that are, you know, um, devilish or evil or bad. I've learned that they are just energies that are in need of love and light and healing. And I actually experienced this conversation with someone who I would deem as a guru. His name's Uni Agape. I always talk of this man. I had one conversation with him in my life and he lives in Hawaii. And he told me one of the most profound things I've ever heard a human say. He said that whether or not there are these evil spirits or whatever, I'm there with my hands open with the healing waters to heal anything that needs extra love or an extra healing. And he said something so profound. I said, wow, that is amazing that you would say something like that. So he says, he's not afraid of anything. He says that everything can find healing. So the number one thing that I had to unlearn that I would identify in this mediumship journey is where energy is placed and that we can focus more on love and light energy and energy that we want to channel that is, that is um, uh, in quotes, good. 
but not be afraid. And I had to unlearn fear. That was the thing I had to unlearn. Wow, that's so powerful. I'm wondering if you also had to unlearn anger and if you had to learn forgiveness as well in your journey. Because when I think of fear, I also think of, you know, the need to kind of overcome something and forgiveness is a mm. big journey. And also within that anger can sometimes show up in terms of fear. Can you talk to me a bit about those emotions? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I've had that full um, circle experience, like you say, the human experience with anger and with that um, frustration. And I would say that I've had anger in the past or for my past childhood experiences. And I had to really forgive a lot of my family. I had to forgive a lot of my um, parental figures in my life that used to judge or used to have, you know, these, these uh, perceptions of me that I never lived up to. So for me, I would say that I had to forgive them for the way that they would perceive me or the, the expectations that they had on me that I should be this or I should be that mm -hmm. and releasing that and doing deep forgiveness work. And um, in fact, I did that through a process of writing a letter. I wrote a forgiveness letter. I forgive you. I forgive you. I wrote to everyone that I felt like I needed to release. And I basically put that in the fire. As you know, the element of fire can really be such a spiritual element. Yeah. And that really was one of the most releasing uh, evenings that I had. I spent like two hours just writing these letters to people that I need to forgive and that I release my anger. And to this day, I have no enemies. I have no hard feelings to anyone. I honestly see the best in people and I'm radically like that um, because I just don't feel like it serves me. You know, it doesn't serve me in this journey. Yeah, that's right. Because if you aren't releasing that baggage, you're taking that baggage with you. Absolutely. Yeah. And you only get a certain amount of baggage before it gets too much. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do you believe that everybody has a purpose? Oh, yes, absolutely. And if you remember what I said in my book, I always talk about that there's sometimes a public purpose that so people might seem like they must have a big purpose, like Oprah Winfrey and all these people. And then there's the everyday purpose that you are positioned right where you need to be in your life, that you were right there to help that lady. You were right there to be in the job as somebody who is a social worker, nurse, or even just somebody working at the gas station, you gave that lady a smile. You don't know that perhaps earlier that day she was told her father passed away. But because of your love and care and compassion as that gas station clerk, you could have changed her perception of life or just gave her hope. So I think on an everyday basis, we all can wake up and we all have as a human being, uh, not a human doing, we have a purpose for spirit to help us and to spirit to take over and just use us. And you won't know that you're being used by spirit. Spirit doesn't just tap you on the shoulder and say, today, I'm going to use you at this corner and with this person. They just go, oh, you know, this person is doing this. I'm going to align a special moment. So I believe 100% everybody does have a purpose. Yeah. And I mean, you even had a story in your book where you helped uh, a woman who was struggling on the street. And, you know, can you share that story? Yes. So there was a lady who was on the street. She was, I was walking home. And if I backtrack, part of the story was that 
it was part of my, uh, Lauren, part of my very spiritual days when I was just like, I'm, I was a little bit egotistical, if I could say so myself. I thought that I was the servant of the spirits, you know, and that I should be, you know, you know, God's going to use me or the universe is going to use me and I'm just so great. And so they put me to the test because I prayed or I said something to my guides the night before and I said, you know, I want you to use me more because the universe needs me and I need to be of support and assistance to people. So I jumped off the bus from a, a big day at work and I was walking down the street and I saw a lady completely comatose lying up a, a flight of stairs in public view of everybody. She was out like a light. And I thought, what in the world is going on? And as I got closer to her on the grass was her smashed iPhone. So I thought all of her, her bag was spread everywhere. It looked like she was flinging that bag around and was really upset. I was very concerned. So I went up to her and I, I got the phone and I picked it up and there was like 11 missed calls from her and it said her mom. And so luckily the phone was still open and I called it back with only like 5% left on the phone of, of battery. I called the mom and I said, there's a girl here. She is laying in public. Is this your daughter? And she says, where are you? Send me the address. So the mom came with the husband in the car and they thanked me so much because they said that this woman was a very well astute woman. She was an accountant. She lived a great life, but she had a problem with alcohol. And this particular day she had drunk herself to that, to that state. And they lost her because she went for a walk and she was very upset and angry about something. But I felt like if nobody came across her, what could have happened to her? You know, who could have taken advantage of stealing that phone or doing the worst? And I felt like spirit used me in that moment to call and, and, and speak to the mom. And the funny thing is, is that I knew it was spirit because I went home and I said to my guides, I said, I wanted to be used by you, but I didn't think it was going to be like that. I thought I was going to be like used and everyone was going to see me, you know, everyone's <laughs> going to look at me and, and realize how good I am. Nobody saw that, you know, I couldn't post that on socials. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I was such an egotistical person then, but then the next day, uh, briefly, if I share, I had another encounter with a person just a street away and she was also drunk and a different lady altogether. And she was laying on the ground and spirit actually opened my eyes that every day you may not realize, but people actually do need your help rather than just walking past them thinking I am so busy. They can work it out. They've got resources. They should just call the police. Some people, you know, are waiting for you to perhaps help them. That doesn't mean sit around and spend hours sitting with them, but sometimes they don't have a phone. They don't have any charge on their phone to call someone. So sometimes I've realized that spirit says that sometimes we're a little bit too in our minds that we can help on an everyday basis mm -hmm. rather than just thinking that you need to be seen all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's so beautiful. There's a couple of things I want to unpack here. So um, in a minute, I do want to talk to you a little bit about the importance of surrender and going with the flow, because that's what I'm understanding sort of happened in these situations. And I think that sometimes, mm. especially for someone like myself, you know, I like to kind of <laughs> be in control. Whereas, you know, it's almost the exact opposite of what you need to do to be of, of service to, to spirit. But I guess I'm wondering, yeah. you, you mentioned a couple of times you use the word ego. Um, I love how Wayne mm -hmm. Dyer talks about ego as edging God out. But um, one of the things that I had <laughs> read before 
was that very often when you're developing spiritually, there is a tendency for the ego to come in and to have that sort of inflated mm. sense of self. So tell me how you overcame yes. that. That's a good question. And I love to, I'm someone that likes to be unpacked and somebody to share a light on things. I love when my friends hold me accountable for things and say, you know, this is how you acted in this moment. And I'm like, oh, really? That's, thank you for sharing that. I love to self learn myself. And so when I was like that, if I really look back, you know, I really was in my ego. I really thought that I was so spiritual. I thought that I was pure. I thought that I was, you know, I couldn't do that. I couldn't touch alcohol. I mean, that's just, you know, you're going to be, you know, your vibe's going to go low or, and I used to have these views and I would even say, um, I don't do substances, but I actually had a view of, you know, if people use drugs, that's just, you know, so bad, you know, that's just low vibrational activity. I would never align myself with that. And I think that I was just, you know, this person that just had so much ego. And I thought, you know, really, you're just a human, you know, and everybody has their own things that they do. And so how I unlearned it or how I kind of um, stepped away from it was, I just realized that we all just human, just all trying to find purpose and no one's better than anyone else. I've met a lot of different people. I've met a lot of celebrities and, and things like this in my work. And when you're on the zoom with them or you're meeting with them, they're really just a person, you know, and we don't need to elevate each other or elevate other people or elevate ourselves. Uh, we just are all human. We all have, um, we all come from the same source. And so that's kind of how I changed from that. But I think I'm still working on the ego. I think I'm still working on a lot of things that I'm, I'm putting the shadow on. And uh, I still have a long way to go. And I love that. I think that I would be very depressed if I didn't have anything more to learn about myself or things to heal or change about myself. That would be a very depressing life if you think that you're done here, you know? <laughs> Yeah, and I think that if you actually were done here, you probably would be done here. So maybe that's also a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when you're speaking as well, it does seem to me that the more that you step into alignment, the less, you know, the less loud, that's not very well articulated, but your ego is. So it's almost like the more mm. that you get onto the spiritual path, the less the ego has power over you. So how do you go with the flow? How do you surrender into mm. the moment? You know, um, for example, those stories with those women that you, that you helped, you know, were you kind of guided mm. to go down a specific path or were you just open to it? And then you kind of let things flow from there. Mm. You know, even, and that was the age of probably 19 that those stories happened. So I have been surrendering to spirit just with my voice, just saying spirit, I'm, I'm available spirit. I'm, I'm ready to be used. How I've gone with the flow or began to surrender to things is believing that I'm deserving of good things and that good things are coming to me and not because I deserve it, but because I believe it and that I, I manifest it and I think of good things. I remain, and, and I can be controversial about this because I have my own views, but I remain toxically positive. And I know that that might be some kind of thing in the public world that they're saying, you know, toxic positivity. And I see a lot of memes and education around it. But for me, I have to say that 
I would rather be toxically positive than toxically negative. And I remain positive about things. I remain that things that will work out for the best or things that are, are, are working out for me, if they don't work out for what I thought they would, it means spirit was protecting me or spirit was was making sure that that wouldn't happen for me. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've changed to that mindset. And I believe that my life, whether or not on the outside, it looks like it's flowing, but on the inside here experiencing it, I feel it's flowing and I feel like it's just well-timed. It's like an orchestra that just plays, it smoothly goes to the next thing. And I was having a conversation the other day with a psychic practitioner. And she also said that, isn't it strange that when you surrender to spirit, that your life works out really good, that things just seem to be so well-timed. Maybe it's she used employment benefits from spirit because <laughs> we're working for spirit. Maybe it's our benefit that life starts to be more smoother. And I think that it's a mixture of that, but also what you just said about when you're aligned, things will be a lot smoother. Money comes right at the right time. Um, housing comes right at the right time. Events come at the right time. You know, Opportunities arise just when they need to, when you're aligned. Yeah, that's so well put. And I just want to say on the subject of toxic positivity that I learned about that a couple of months ago, and I was blown away by it because Mm. I'm, I'm of the mindset of you. I'm like, why I would rather think that things happen for a reason and look at things in a positive way than be negative. And then I remember I was reading an article and they were basically saying that with toxic positivity, a lot of people don't leave room for grief. And that's the problem is that they go, Oh, just get over it. And it's like, that's not the way that I look at the world. I think it's important to be able to grieve, but then you do need to kind of come out and you, you do need mm-hmm. to rise yourself up. Otherwise you're going to be down in the dumps. Absolutely. In your book, you basically talk about how nothing sort of outside of you is really going to help you to thrive in this world. So do you, when you're talking about that, do you kind of look at that in terms of how everything that we need is within us and not necessarily outside validation or outside things and keeping up with the Joneses, for example? Yes, absolutely. You start this world with everything inside of you is everything that you need. The bones that you have, you don't get new bones. They just grow. You know, you don't get new skin. It just expands. Um, You get everything at the start that you ever need in this life already wound up inside of you. It's actually factual because it's seen in all of nature. The apple tree had every apple inside of that seed. Every apple that it, the last one that was to drop was already inside that seed. Do you see? So this is what life is. You as a human being, everything is inside you. Your grief will be inside you and your healing is inside you. So everything is already going to be experienced, but you just got to let it flow. So how I would approach like what you just said about toxic positivity, that you allow those emotions to flow just naturally as a human being. So when grief arises, allow it. But when joy arises, don't suppress it and go, no, I should be sad and grieving because my grandfather just passed away. No, laugh at that joke, laugh at that TikTok video. It's okay. Just let those emotions flow and arise. And I think that that's where um, people either are on two different spectrums. They're so negative or they're too positive and it's not toxic. It's just that you may be suppressing an emotion that wants to actually be um, seen and experienced. Mm. So we just have to allow those things. 
This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. You talk in your book about the term expired seasons, and I love that. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that concept? Yes. I love this concept and I swear I say the word season so many times and every day. And it's funny because I was caught up the other day, a journalist says, I never thought about that. Like life does have seasons, doesn't it? And I'm like, yeah, you know, chapters, seasons, just like we have seasons every year, our lives have seasons. And uh, I actually describe it quite um quite specifically, there could be a season in your life or there usually is seasons of four months, um, just like there are in winter, summer, autumn, spring. And I define that a season or an expired season, as you say, is a season where you keep pretending that it's winter when it's actually starting to become summer again. So that could mean that you keep focusing on that divorce, you keep focusing on that job loss, when really, there's something new that's coming into your life that you keep going back to the past. You keep living in the past moments. You keep rehashing all the old things all the time and living in those states and emotions, but you're not celebrating yourself and being happy and being proud that you've just graduated university. You're about to be on a new track now, but you're focusing so much on the past and you're living in that space in your mind. So expired seasons can also be in your career, or relationship, the relationship has expired, the career has expired, and you still just, you know, hit that drum every day, because you think that that's just what you need to do. And I also say in my book to tie that in, is that often your misery is an evidence of a change for your destiny. So uh, you when you get miserable, that's a symptom that you need to change something. You know what I mean? There's something needs to change. So I think that that would be a sign of an expired season, those types of emotions. Yes. And I guess it's paying attention to that, right? I mean, would you say that it's normal to have a down day, but if you're having a down month, then something needs to shift? Yeah, I have down days myself. Sometimes I experience those emotions and I allow them to come, but I, I often try to shrink it to perhaps just a down hour you know, rather than an entire day, why would you let your, it could be your last day on earth. Why would you let an entire day, you know, take over that emotion? Acknowledge it quickly. So if there's any, t- any, any negative emotions that you are defining as, as tough, quickly address it and see where it's coming from and then see how you can pr- process that and allow it to be a down hour or a down moment and try to lift back up again yourself is what I would do. But when you say a down month or a down year or something like that, I do believe that we may just being very defined or being not able to address it. We're just, um, you know, sitting with it and and thinking this is my my lot in life. I have a lot of those kind of um, perceptions from people, especially on my live streams and my follower friends and, and different clients. They do believe that their life should just be boring, that they, they're not worth it. And those are obviously some some deep healing needs. But I do believe that Uh, when we have those emotions that expand and go for too long, there is something wrong there. It could be something, uh, it could be something chemically wrong, but it could also be something where what we know spiritually wrong. And so it's important to see both of those sides. 
One of the things that I see is that people feel that they have to go it alone and they have to do it alone. Mm. And oh, I'm having a bad you know, period of time here and I'm all by myself, but really they have access to a whole spirit team that has their back, mm-hmm. starting with the higher self. Now in your book, you mm-hmm. mentioned that the higher self is essentially the stage manager of your life. So I'd love to know a little bit more about what your higher self is and how you can mm. tap into the wisdom that the higher self can bring you. Yes. Understanding the higher self will revolutionize your life. It will change the way that you walk every single day. When you realize that you are your own deity, God, uh, manager of your life, you get back more responsibility in yourself. And remember what we were talking about before about those external forces outside of you won't really impact you because you're the one that's leading you. So I define, like you say, the higher self is like the little rudder on a boat. You can't really see it. You don't even think about it when you're on the boat that there's this tiny little rudder that moves the boat. And without that, there's no steering. The boat doesn't go anywhere. And so the higher self is this stage manager that watches from afar and can cue things in our life. And whether or not you subscribe to this belief, I believe that you came to earth already knowing what you were to do here. And you just need to re-remember it. You just need to remember why you're here. And that's why we have guides, why we have human connections with others that just do these little sparks throughout your life to go, oh, that's what I'm doing. Oh, that's why I'm here. I forgot what I'm, I forgot what I'm doing. It's like when you go into the kitchen, you open the fridge and go, wait, what was I cooking again? Or what was I even doing in this room? That's what it's like when you come to earth. Sometimes you'll have those moments. What, what am I even doing here? Why am I even here again? And you get reminded from your guides. So the higher self is really that exactly what it sounds like your higher self, the person the yourself that is in a different state that is watching everything unfold in your life and cueing things one thing at a time that you can connect into when you're feeling unaligned. Yes. And would you say that sometimes you can also almost try to channel or invoke the feelings of a higher self when you're faced with the decision? Like if you're conscious about a decision and you can go one way or another way. I remember I, I heard years ago, it was like, what would love do, <laughs> you know? And <laughs> I in love a way that. you could kind of say, okay, well, yeah, what would love do, what would my higher self do in this situation? So mm-hmm. can you kind of use your higher self as a, as a opportunity in a way to kind of move you into the direction you wanna go? And you can do that on a conscious level? Absolutely. And I have to be honest, I've been doing that possibly only for the last one and a half years. I have really been stopping before I do a decision because sometimes we think we need to act upon it straight away or we get too procrastinating and we leave it off because I'm that type. I leave it off and I don't look at it. I just think if I don't look at it, it'll go away or I'll just forget about it or it'll solve itself, which I'm learning and I'm unlearning because as a leader and a, and a manager of employees, you need to kind of act upon things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So for me, I am definitely realizing that I will stop and I will say, you know, spirit, how would you do this? Or, you know, self, what should I do? What would be the right thing in this case to do? What would lead to the best outcome? What would lead to the best outcome that I need to learn? And I will stop and pause. And you can do that in any area of your life. I used to do it in relationships as well. I would stop and say, how do I love them better today? 
when they are really grinding my gears, you know, how do I just show them love <laughs> today? And you turn to your higher self and they will show you. It will unfold really quite naturally. That's one thing that you need to realize in your life is that the spirit world will not be so evidenced in your life. It will not always just poke out from behind the veil of invisibility. It will seem and massage itself into your reality so naturally. And it will just happen so smoothly for you. You know, that's why, you know, you see the grass grow and you're like, oh, it's already grown that tall. I didn't hear it. I didn't, I didn't really catch it, but all of a sudden it's happened. Yes. Oh, I love that. So that's again, going back to the surrender and the going with the flow concept. But that being said, there are also ways where you can say, Hey, I I'm open to this gradual flow of connecting to source energy or spirit. Yeah. But I also, maybe I need a, an answer right now. So I know that yes. in the book, you gave some techniques about how you can connect with your higher self, for example, automatic writing. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about mm -hmm. that technique as well as any others that you may have? Yeah. So automatic writing is a great one when you are needing to, you might be more analytical. If you're a person that really likes to read and, and likes to have a definitive answer, call upon your higher self, have the pen on the page and just start writing. When you have said, I call upon my higher self, the spirit world is listening at all times. It's like big brother. You can't take the microphone off. The microphone has to stay on as part of your participation in this project. So in the spirit world, you're always being heard. That's something that's really important to those people who are listening that feel alone, that feel like you are just doing this world all on your own and you're the support for everyone else but yourself. The higher self is listening to your thoughts and what you say out loud. And so when you sit down and you start doing that automatic writing, it will start to flow and you'll start to write things and go, and, and the first time you do it, you'll go, oh, that's just me being super spiritual and super happy today. I, I, I can't believe what I'm writing. But when you do it several times, you'll start to realize that there's a tone to it that is very, what I've come to learn about my higher self, uh, definitive, and that this is true about me, that I am loved, that this is gonna work, that, that I should be doing X, Y, Z when you use the automatic writing. Another tip or another task to get instant answers that I like to do is I will ask for external evidence. And I do this, I, I test with spirit and spirit and I have that relationship where I'll say, um, show me a number or show me something so that I know that this is the right way that I'm doing, or this is the, the best thing. So for example, I just finished a tour in Australia, but when I was in Mexico coming back for this tour, I was getting nervous about it. I was thinking in my mind, we're gonna go into a Mercury retrograde right in the middle of this tour. And you guys know what that's like. So I'm thinking though, thinking all these things, my ego started to take over. And so I said to Spirit, when I was on this um, tour, uh, this tour bus in Mexico, I just finished going to a nice like location and I was coming back and I said, Spirit, show me the biggest 333 that you can possibly do because I'm not going to believe a tiny little 333 on my phone. I mean, that happens twice a day. I need to see this thing big, bold and ready. And so I was on the bus and I remember I didn't even finish my sentence before I looked up and an advertisement with a yellow background showed somebody holding a real estate you know, property and the property was at 333. And that was my, and you can't, 
you can't chalk that up to be, you know, oh, coincidence, because I didn't finish my sentence and I said big and bold. And it was on the biggest advertisement you could possibly see, this 333. And I've tested spirit many times. And before I finish my sentence, these things do pop out. And um, they did flow and the tour did, you know, was a success, but I just needed that validation. I just needed to be calmed in that moment from spirit that this is your tour, not mine. I'm working for you. So you need to give me evidence that this is going to be okay. Have you got this? You know, and of course they do, but they know us in our humanness. We have doubts. We need spirit. Yeah. That is so important. I think to reiterate, because you can be on the spiritual journey. You can be someone like yourself, who's, you know, running this amazing success and successful business, and you're doing all these things, but it's normal to sometimes get nervous or, or doubt, or, Mm. you know, need that kind of outside validation. And, you know, what I'm hearing from you is when you just ask for that support, or when you just ask for those signs and symbols that your spirit team are going to be there and they're going to have your back and show you. So in your book, you talk about four different types of spirit guides. And what I loved about this is that you kind of labeled them in a way that I hadn't really heard before. I had heard of the protector guide, but you talk about the encourager, you talk about the logistician, you talk about the protector, and then mm-hmm. you talk about the manager as well. And I wanted to talk to you about mm-hmm. the manager part in a minute, because I had an interesting experience mm-hmm. when I read that story. So let's go oh. through these um, for a second. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about the encourager guide. What does the encourager mm-hmm. guide do? Or is it pretty self-explanatory with that title? <laughs> Well, it is, it is in a way, but the encourager guide is somebody that always has your back and always understands your deepest motive. So for example, you fly off the handle and start accidentally screaming at your kids or just yelling off for some reason, and you get really emotional about it. Your encourager guide will be sitting there going, I know where that came from. I know the motives behind that. They never judge you. So the encourager guide comes behind you that evening and says, you know what? You're doing your best. You are a single mother. You know, how in the world are you even standing up right now? You're okay. Um, Another way that your encourager guide will come in is if you have a a season of depression, you know, they will say, you actually got up and had a shower today and fed yourself something to eat. Well done. That That was exactly what you need to do, you know? So your encourager guide will be soft and light and just let you know that you're okay and going well. And I have to say my encourager guides are my mom, but also a person that passed away in my life that was a colleague uh, that I was quite stunned by her passing. Actually, we were quite close. Um, we were the same age and she passed suddenly and that kind of passing really got to me. However, she was one of the most because I worked in mental health. You see, she was one of the most kindest practitioners, one of the most softest encouragers that I've had. And I remember one day I was really low and it was a time that was really hard for me. And I remember her voice and my mom's voice teamed together like at 11 p.m. at night. And I was laying in bed crying because I'm a crier, you see, I'm a Libra. So we cry about anything, really. And so I was crying and I remember my mom and my and and, um, my friend started speaking these amazing things that to this day, I can't really remember them, but they just lifted me up. They didn't. 
um, they didn't keep me in self-pity. They lifted me up and I thought, wow, this has to come from a guide. My own spirit couldn't even think of these things. Mm -hmm. And that was an evidence to me that my encourager guide was there to lift me up. So that's an example of an encourager guide in your life. They're, they, they're there. You just have to sometimes pay attention that there are good news, good messages coming from the spirit world. Oh, I love that. Let's go into the logistician because the logistician mm -hmm. seems to me like they have a very complicated job. <laughs> they do. Now, if the logistician was a star sign, it would be a Taurus because they're very organized people. So as a logistician, you are extremely organized. You need to know timeframes of anything. Um, I would say it's a job like the person who has to uh land planes and allow planes to land you that would be one of the most scheduled jobs in the world one of the most hardest jobs in the world yes. so a logist a logistician i love how i wrote it in my book it knows every grain of rice left in your pantry it knows every resource that you have and it knows how to pull from those resources at the right time so it knows everything is weighed up for them and they know how to schedule things to come into your life uh, and how to get things to happen. And I shared this story at my uh, at a festival I just spoke at, that when I was coming back to Australia, I was in Vancouver and I had to catch my flight back to Australia. And I remember that I, I had, everything was everywhere. It was a little bit confusing. I didn't have my um, migrant card from Mexico and it was just all over the place. And I remembered that there was a line of at least 50 to 80 people and my boarding was about to close in 10 minutes. There's no way in 10 minutes you are going to get to that desk. You're going to miss your flight to Australia. And I remember instead of getting frustrated, getting angry, you know, whatever those emotions you could want to do, I said in my mind quickly, I said, spirit team, please help me. I need to get back to Australia for this tour. You, you really need to come through. And I remember I was standing there and I was just thinking, what do I do? How do I navigate this? And a lady, who was an elderly, an older lady was standing right where there's a, a barrier. Um, she didn't work there. She was just waiting for somebody. I didn't even know who she was. Um, that could also be another topic. I'll probably write yeah. in another book of earthbound Angels spirit guides. Angels in disguise. Angels yeah. in disguise. Absolutely. These yeah. people that manifest in human form to help us. She was just standing there and she, she talked to me as if she knew me. Cause I just, I, I lent to her and I said, excuse me, ma'am. Uh, are you lining up? She, she opened, and this is so weird to say, but she opened the barrier and she said, just go up to the desk, just walk up to the desk and just let them know that you're waiting for your plane. And she looked at those, those eyes. I'll never forget. I've had this happen twice in my life. That was the, that was the second time in my life. This has happened, but she looked into my eyes and she just looked like she knew me. She just said, go up to the desk and they'll let you on. And I went up to the desk. I looked invisible because usually people would complain about somebody skipping a line of 80 yeah. people. Yeah. Nobody saw me. Everyone just didn't even look at me. And I went up to the desk and said, I'm here to catch my plane. And they said, yes, we're waiting for you. They typed in something and I was on my way. And so that was, I would say, perhaps an angel in disguise. It could have been what I would say my logistician spirit guide, either manifesting in human form or she used that particular person to allow something to happen so the logistics of my life would stay on track because I, I stopped and paused and I spoke to spirit before I, I spoke to my humanness. You know what I mean? 
That's so cool. And I know sometimes spirit does use humans around us to deliver these messages that we need to hear. So I know we're nearing the end of our time together, but I do want to talk about the protector and also the manager. So Mm -hmm. can you talk to me quickly about those two types of guides as well? Yeah. So the protector, I would say often are also a very soft, um, a soft energy. When I channel in my readings, they're not what you would see as a gladiator. They are easily, you know, how cool and calm the secret service is, how they just walk around with their suits and they never say a word. And they, you know, they are highly trained with any kind of martial arts. They're highly trained. They know weaponry. Your protector guide walks very chill. They know just how to protect you and they can just reach out and stop you from getting hit by that car. They can reach out and allow someone to come right at the right time. So your protector guide is somebody who knows where dangers are in your life, physical dangers, also emotional dangers. So when people are not respecting you or manipulating you or being these kind using toxic behaviors against you, they can also protect you from that by all of a sudden somebody just stops talking to you or somebody just ghosts you out of nowhere. You, you need to realize sometimes your protector guide is cutting those cords and saying, nope, we're going to cut that person away. We're going to move that person off the grid for a moment um, until they change their ways. So sometimes a protector guide is there to not only help you physically, but also help you emotionally and can see all of the, the, the dangers to your mind, heart, emotions, and body at any time and, and protect you from them. So beautiful. Okay. The manager guide. The manager guide. Well, as you can see, your life is quite a complicated project. So you do need a manager guide that manages over the spirit guides. Also a manager guide I've said many times is for people who might have very complex lives. So if they, you know, might be in the public eye and run many businesses, you need a manager guide to be managing at least a few logistician guides around that are trying to get everything to work right. Your life is very complicated and complex from the spirit side of things. But you also have a manager guide if you were just a person that worked at a supermarket or something like this, because your manager guide is there to make sure that they are listening to your higher self, listening to things that are being cued by your higher self and making sure that there's a guide assigned for it. So sometimes there isn't a spirit guide assigned to you forever in a particular area, sometimes it's a seasonal spirit guide, a guide that is only just there between September to December as you relocate house, as you perhaps start a new job, a spirit guide, maybe one that needs to encourage you, is assigned for that season. And then they retract and they are no longer needed. So a manager guide is there to say, okay, between September and November, we need a guide here, we need a guide there, you know, we need this to happen. So you kind of need somebody in charge letting everybody know what we need to do. Yes. It's so funny because when I read your book and I read that section on the manager in my mind's eye, I saw my guide and she was this sort of like in her fifties, she had her hair pulled back in a tight bun, glasses, red lipstick. She was very popular or very um, proper, like just badass, would not accept anything. And she had a clipboard. Mm -hmm. And I could see her <laughs> scheduling me in for things wow. for the next few years. And I'm like, wow. Yes. And, I, and I understood intuitively that it wasn't for right now. It was more of this mm-hmm. is what's coming up and already putting the plan into motion. So that was just so neat how that wow. just popped in right away. And I went, okay, I can see that I don't need to control everything because someone else has it organized. 
made me feel really wow happy. that's beautiful I'm glad you had that experience because that's exactly what a manager guide looks like. Whenever I'm channeling in readings, they look exactly like this or they have that kind of countenance. They are very straightforward. When I talk to my manager guide, it's not a conversation of lovey-dovey, you know, um, how's your day? You know, they're not really up to having those conversations. They're really there as a manager guide. And I define my manager guide similarly. They are a mix of Beyonce and Michelle Obama. So oh, that's wow. a little bit sass, but that professionalism and that, yes. you know, they have it under control, you know? So uh, that's what a manager guide is. You know, if you want to talk to a guide, maybe talk to your encourager guide because your manager guide is very busy and, and very strict. So <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly right. Well, this is so good. I mean, I will tell you that I just absolutely love the book. I, I have to admit to you, I have about 15 questions here that we didn't get to, but there's not, oh. you can't do everything in an hour. That's just the way of it. <laughs> um, Kale, thank absolutely. you so much for joining me on the show today. Is there anything that you wanted to speak about that I didn't ask you that you wanted to throw in? How can people get the book? What's coming up for you? And how can mm -hmm. they find out more? Absolutely. Thank you, Lauren, for having me on this podcast. It's been a really soulful conversation. I've really enjoyed this. And for you who's listening, feel free to check out my book, Three Minutes with Spirit. You can go to kalodonnell.com and check out my book there. And because we've been talking about spirit guides so much today, I do invite you to check out my free Meet Your Spirit Guide meditation, which is right there on my website so that you can have a similar experience to Lauren. Maybe you'll see your guide. Maybe you'll hear a special message from them. And people have said many times that this uh, meditation brings them an en encounter with their spirit guide. So kaylodonnell.com and you'll be able to check that out. I'm also on Instagram at I'm Kaylodonnell as well. Perfect. And I'll put a link to all that as well in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Lauren. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.